shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Hey, come on, one, two, shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot. Welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot podcast. I am Brad Shafferlon, and I am joined. As always, by I'm not, I can't I can't I, last week I listed off every title she had. I can't do it. She's too many titles. She's adding things by the week. There, it's just impossible. I'm surprised. I am surprised that when I I finally we finally met each other for the first time in person. I'm surprised that there were not like autographs <laughs> being handed out left, right, and center. I was lucky enough to get a photo. I, I'll I'll take what I can get. That is of course Karina Mustafa. Karina, how are you doing? These intros just get weirder and weirder every week. <laughs> better and better is the is the real term for that. Um, we're gonna maybe turn this into the sunburn podcast, not the shoot your shot podcast, because I I'm in so red. much pain. We are oh, both God. very red, and I I didn't even wear. A, I, she wore sunscreen, and she still is burnt. Um, I was not as smart. Uh, let's we'll get into some of the uh, some of the NBA news. I obviously I think a lot of people want to hear. Me talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll get to them in a second. There's some other things we want to get to first. Uh, we'll start with some of the NBA coaching stuff. We didn't get too much into it last week. Um, we talked a little bit about Jason Kidd and why Jason Kidd shouldn't be a head coach in the NBA ever, ever again. Um, and we thought he might, you know, we thought he might get hired by Portland. Damian Lillard decided, you know, that's the guy I want. I want him or I want Chauncey Billups. And it sounded like Jason Kidd was going to get hired by Portland until... Out of nowhere, Jason Kidd decided, nope, I don't want the Portland job. I'm backing out. And it confused, I think, everybody. <laughs> because, I mean, you saw that he was putting his name back out into the cycle. He was putting his name back out there. He wanted to, you know, get another job again. And it seemed like this was the job he was going to get, you know, should he want it. But apparently he didn't. So, Karina, what are your initial thoughts on it? Are you kind of like, because I, I, where, where my head's at is either... He doesn't actually think he's ready yet, even though he's put his name out there, or he has another job lined up with one of the other four availabilities. Uh, kind of where where do you where are you looking at this from Jason Kidd's perspective? Yeah, I was like very naive, and I <laughs> thought that he pulled his name out because of all the backlash that came after. No. But no, that that wasn't it. So I think I'm leaning towards. Hmm, I don't know. It's tough because I'm I'm kind of grappling between like maybe he has like something else that's like mm. discussions going on or maybe he's just like actually i don't want a head co like i don't <laughs> want a head coach um either way i hope he doesn't get any kind of job ever like we mentioned before and uh i just want to move on from this man i'm i'm also wondering maybe if like he sees the four openings um the, the four openings as of right now are boston uh indiana orlando and obviously portland um I wonder if he just saw those and he's kind of like, okay, this is, I, he wants the right opportunity. And I don't want to, I, I I don't like, I'm not trying to like humor this as like, I want him to be a head coach. But I'm just trying to put myself in his perspective. And just, I wonder if he sees these opportunities. He's like, okay, this isn't what I'm looking for. If I want to get back into it, I need the right situation. And these four aren't the right situation, even though if I was a head coaching candidate, I would certainly love to be in Boston right now. And we kind of get it. We'll kind of get into the rankings of where we have each job uh, for now. The other news Nate Bjorkren, former Raptors assistant and, well, now former Indiana Pacers head coach, was relieved of his duties. There was a mutual parting of ways is how they phrased it, which he got fired. He got fired from his job because he wasn't good at his job. Um, 
general, just give me some general thoughts on Nate Bjorken. We talked, we talked about Nate Bjorken before when they released the hot seat coaches and we kind of gave our thoughts then, but now that it's kind of official, give me your, like your, I guess your eulogy on the, the long tenure of Nate Bjorken in, <laughs> in Indiana. It was a very historic tenure that he had there. So kind of just give me your, some parting thoughts on Nate Bjorken's time in Indiana. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, one is that I think he really tried to turn Indiana into like the Raptors, into mm. like the Indiana Raptors. And I think that when that didn't really work, uh, maybe I don't know what happened there, but then you have the the news of the stuff going on in the locker room. And then you kind of wonder if those stories are true, because, mm. you know, according to Woj or Woj, or I don't even know how to pronounce his names at this point. <laughs> Everyone says it differently. Um, but according to him, he had lost the locker room. You know, it, like he was like all ready to just slander uh, Nate. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird situation. And it, it does lead me to believe that something did happen. And it's just, I guess it just wasn't the fit that they wanted it to be. And, you know, we move on. It's some of the things I've heard, though, or in red about him is uh, not a little good. bit appalling. No, no, not good. Not good. Um, it's <laughs> very problematic. Uh, it, it, I, I will give Indiana, obviously, like, this blew up in their faces. They fired Nate McMillan. He's now, you know, he like, it could be in the conference finals within the next week. He might not be, but he also got to the second round. That's still a very good accomplishment. And they brought in Nate Bjorkren. And again, like, again, that just blew up in their faces. But I want to at least give them credit for they realized that this guy wasn't the guy. And they're like, all right, we're cutting our losses one year. We're not going to like try and drag this out any longer than it needs to be. Because you see that with a lot of coaches. Like, okay, they had a really rough first year. And it really does not go well. And the team's like, well, we sunk money into this guy already. And we like it's going to look really bad if we fire him a year in after we just fired a guy who had a lot of success. I, I, I give the I commend Indiana for at least realizing okay, uh, we're gonna cut our losses and let's try again. Let's try and find another head coach again, and we're gonna just let Nate Bjorken go and hopefully you know, it's it just it is interesting. Like you talked about some of the stuff that came out about Bjorken and uh, again everyone talked about how great tactically he was and how his schemes were really good. He's learned under Nick Nurse and he came up through the G League, but there's two sides to being a coach, right? There's the, your schematics and how great you are with the X's and O's. But you also have to be a people person. You have to learn how to manage personalities and you have to learn how to, you know, be like control a locker room and also like just kind of like how you handle different players. Not every player or not every coach either, like your staff, they can't all be handled the same way. You can't take the same approach of being this hard ass or like even if or the other on like the, the far other end, you can't be too caring and too nurturing. You can't be too buddy buddy. It's a it's a fine line and some guys just aren't ready for that. And it just seemed like Nate Bjorker and well, even the stuff that came out about him as a head coach in the G League, like it just seems like that's not that's not his thing. Like being a head coach isn't. It's, he seems like he takes over way too much of the locker room and tries to take on way too much responsibility, even as the lead assistant for uh, Nick Nurse last year from the stuff that came out. But anyway, we move on to the four openings, and we talked. Well, we're going to rank them. Um, I'll give my rankings first and kind of my reasoning for each of them and why I'd be excited, but also a little hesitant for each job. So. Number one, I think, is pretty obvious. Out of the four, I think Boston has to be everyone's number one. Um, you know, you have Jason Brown, Jason Brown, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. The Jays Just mix them together. Yeah, it's, they're they're interchangeable. Um, they, you you have two. Like, that's the best core you could have out of this four, out of these four jobs. Like, they are two young wing players that can defend and score. 
The rest of the roster is a little hit or miss. There are some nice players. You know, Robert Williams took a step forward this year. Romeo Langford looked really good this year, but Kemba Walker's knees aren't what they used to be. Uh, well, they are Smart, breaking up, so... That is true. Kemba Walker might not even be there. Um, Marcus Smart, really nice trade asset. Could potentially be a trade asset. He could be there, but even if he is there, that's a really good defender. A solid but streaky kind of shooter. A Really just a quintessential 3 and D guy. Great flopper. Great flopper as well. That's a benefit for me. That's a con for Karina, unfortunately. And she would she would try to cut that out of Marcus Smart's game. She would try to make Marcus Smart not be Marcus Smart. She wouldn't want Mar Marcus Smart to do what makes him great, which is sell, sell, sell. Um, why I'd be a little hesitant is just I'm uncertain of how competent the front office would be. And that's not a shot at Brad Stevens. It's just I don't know. I genuinely do not know what he's going to be like. And if I'm a potential coach, if I'm, I don't know, picking a random name out of a hat, Terry Stotts. If I'm Terry Stotts and I had all this stability in Portland, I worked with Neil Olshay for all my time there. And now I'm going into Boston with a first year executive who's going to be running the roster. I'm just not sure how comfortable I'm going to be with that. So I'm wondering if that's going to be a job that doesn't go to a, a like a, a retread head coach and they kind of bring in an assistant to kind of like, okay, because then Brad can help him out a little bit there. I'm I'm just interested to see how that goes. I assume Boston is your number one as well. Yeah, yeah, I also have them at number one. I just think with, like, you've seen, like, their potential. You've seen how successful that they can be and that they can take the next steps. And like you said, like, they have the best, like, duo slash core, whatever you want to call it. Um, the only thing that I have for me, like you mentioned the front office, for me, it's just the fans. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, oh, it's just, you know, that organization, <laughs> that organization in general, I think that's what's like, like pulling at it for me, but, uh, which is why I'm like hesitant for, you know, someone like Becky Hammond to go there, like we've discussed before, but it'll be interesting to see who they end up choosing to be their head coach. Yeah, I think that, I think that's probably my most interesting job search. Uh, give me your number two on your list. I assume it'll match up, but give me your number two. Yeah, so my number two is the Blazers. Mm -hmm. um, I have Portland at number two, just because I think that Portland is a really interesting destination because they have Dame. Uh, I think they're just a few pieces away from actually, you know, passing that barrier that they've had uh, in recent years. And, you know, they're really exciting. And I, I think that you know, their fan base isn't nearly as problematic. So <laughs> whoever the head coach is there, I think there'll be a lot of like respect and it'll maybe get them to be, you know, one of the teams like maybe like a Phoenix Suns, you know, like mm. who were uh, bad before, but you know, they get these pieces all together and it finally works out for them. Yeah. Portland, Portland's my number two as well. Uh, I, I agree that obviously they're probably the second most playoff ready out of these four teams. And like, if you're coming in, you are expected to win and you have a team that's ready to win. My one concern uh, is just the uncertainty with the roster right now that, you know, there are some issues, like there are some rumors that Damian Lillard might not be happy. And if you're not the right coach that he wants, if you're, you're a guy that he didn't like, does he ask to be traded at that point? They're looking at potentially trading CJ McCollum. So you're just quite not quite sure who's going to be there when you step in. Obviously, Yusuf Nurkic had the quote that said uh, he was going to like evaluate his options or whatever it was, but uh, Yusuf Nurkic, I hate to break it to you, boss. You have a non-guaranteed contract next year. You don't have much of a choice in this decision, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so Portland's my number two. I was actually very close to making them number three just because of the uncertainty in the roster, but I ended up going with Indiana 
number three, because it's a similar thing, right? Where they have a lot of uncertainty in the roster as well. They could trade Miles Turner. They could trade, blow it up and go trade Demonis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. So you're just not quite sure what the direction of that franchise is going to be at this point. Are they going to tank? They've never really been a team to tank and bottom out, but maybe this is the time where they're like, okay, you know what? We're going to throw up our hands. This core just isn't going to get us as far as we want it to. This isn't a championship level core. We're going to blow it up and then you're stuck with a rebuilding roster and that's not what you expected when you got there. So that's my one concern. But if if the roster's there, they're a talented group. Everyone knows that like they have the pieces. They're starting five and even a couple guys off the bench. It's a really good team. The fit might not be perfect with Sabonis and Turner. They're still kind of still working through that a little bit. And in the modern NBA, it's a little weird having two bigs, but I almost put Indiana number two, but it's their uncertainty is even more so than Portland. So I'm a little more worried about Indiana. I assume they're your number three as well. Yeah, yeah, I have Indiana at number three. I think they're in a really, they're in that weird place where they, you know, they're good, but they're not, they're not bad, but they're not great. Yeah. But they're just kind of like hovering there in the middle and we never seem to really like get past the first round in the playoffs. Um, And so I do agree with you. I think the uncertainty is bigger for them than it is for the Blazers. And I think that uncertainty has been there for like quite a bit now. And, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out too, especially after the drama that ensued <laughs> with Indiana this year. <laughs> but, you know, I saw this, um, I saw another analogy because, you know, I have my uh, my drying rack analogy of yes, coaches, of right? Of course. And when I, I was reading some articles and I found a new one that someone oh, else no. did. And they called it the coaching carousel, which yeah. I think is a lot better. But that's I didn't a, know that was a, that's a thing. A, that's a common one, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that was a thing. Apparently, I live <laughs> under a rock or something. But I think that's much better that than is, yeah, a drying that, rack. I rack. thought you went with a drying rack just so you could go away from the more traditional coaching carousel. No, All right, I, fair I enough. have a goldfish brain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, the slander yeah, yeah. The sl- it took a little bit for me to get there but i, uh. I we, we started we started a little later than i wanted to uh i so, so obviously last team left is orlando give me your give me a positive for orlando and give me a negative for orlando is it all <laughs> <The> negative, negative. <laughs> i was gonna say they are a hot mess yeah <laughs> yeah uh, they're just you know uh, they're blowing it up it's just you know i don't blame uh steve clifford no. for being like i don't want to be here anymore um it's just it's it's a hot mess that's what it is and you know i feel for whoever is gonna come in there and try to clean it clean it up Mm -hmm. and i i mean i don't want to say i hope they do because like i don't really have any feelings about the orlando magic like i'm kind of neutral about them i don't really care if they succeed or they're kind of like one of the more like they're them and charlotte for a lot well charlotte not anymore because of Lamelo. but i mean it just so happens also that steve clifford coached both of those teams but for a while they're just kind of like they're just that team that like oh they're kind of irrelevant like they're just, yeah they're just they're just kind of there you know yeah they're like they're they'll compete for the eighth seed they're like how the Bucks used to be honestly they would compete for the eighth seed and then they would get slapped around in the first round and that's okay no, nobody cares about the Bucks still, exactly so. we'll, we'll get to we'll get to that in a second <laughs> uh, I obviously have Orlando fourth as well my one positive um, before I get into a little bit of the negative my one positive is they will have a top draft pick this year and you're gonna get a really good young player to come in and you know help jumpstart that future. The issue is the other young pieces, the other two core young guys on the Magic are Jonathan Oh, that's Isaac. true. I like Cole Anthony. I, Cole I Anthony as well. Yeah, that. Cole Anthony yeah. as well. I'm just not sure how much of a star he can become. But if you're looking at like Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, kind of the two other core young guys that you have, aside from Wendell Carter, who showed a little bit when he was in when he was in Orlando. But 
you're just never going to be sure if Markel and Jonathan Isaac are healthy. Like, that's the one concern is like, okay, they're going to want you to develop Jonathan Isaac. They're going to want you to develop Markel Fultz. And you're going to come in and be like, well, will I get the chance to? Are they going to be on the court for me to develop them? Because Isaac's going to miss, Isaac already missed all of this season. He's going to miss probably a good chunk of next season. I love Jonathan Isaac. I, this is, when S was here, this is obviously a very pro Jonathan Isaac podcast. I sure, I'm sure Karina shares the same sentiment because it's Jonathan Isaac. He's great. Uh, and everyone wants Markel Fultz to succeed. That's a, a you're insane. You're either a Philly fan or insane if you don't want Markel Fultz to succeed. Uh, but yeah, Orlando is my number four, and I think that's I think it's a pretty clear uh, four here. You can swap maybe Indiana or Portland if you want to, but we actually agreed on all four. That's look at us progressing without even communicating beforehand. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> now those are the four openings that are available as of right now. There still could be some more to come. Uh, some that were rumored but are no longer going to be available. Uh, Scott Brooks is staying in Washington. Uh, I assume that is fine with you. You don't. I'm assuming you don't probably care too much. Yeah, don't he, care. Good for got, him. Yeah, sure. he, he got them to the playoffs. They came back, battled back, and I yeah, didn't. Yeah, I would also say for that one, like it would be kind of weird to let him go now because mm -hmm. you just got, you know, Beal Westbrook, you just got that duo. You're just kind of starting out with them. And then yeah. just to change the coach right away when nothing really like that bad happened. I mean, they had their COVID struggles at the beginning, but that wasn't something that they could control. Yeah. And then you saw the way that they, they battled their way to the playoffs. So I, I think that's like really encouraging for them and it wouldn't make sense for him to lose his job right now. Yeah, he, if they if they fired him after they made the playoffs after that, I would have been a little confused. Like, not, I don't think Scott Brooks is a fantastic coach by any means, and there are certainly upgrades available like Steve Clifford or Terry Stotts if you want to bring them in, but I see no problem with retaining Scott Brooks for another season, see how it goes. Uh, this is a little older, obviously, but Luke Walton is back in Sacramento. Uh, somehow the Kings believe in this man more than I do, man. Oh, my goodness. I thought Luke Walton, when he got hired by the Kings, was going to be a guy. I mean, Long-time listener of this podcast, no. And people who follow me on Twitter, no. I predicted him to be coach of the year a couple seasons ago because I thought he was going to come in. He was going to keep the Kings playing fast, and they did not. And so I'm a little worried about the development of my favorite player. I'm a little worried about De'Aaron Fox and just kind of another year of this. If Luke Walton, I, I and we talk. It's funny because we have we we have the same conversation for Luke Walton as we will for Mike Budenholzer of like, will he change? Will he adapt? But it's a such a smaller it's... scale, and it's like he, he the 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 high end for Mike Budenholzer, the ceiling for Bud is so much higher than the ceiling for Luke Walton. A Luke Walton ceiling is like, hey, they'll crack the eighth seed. The high the ceiling for Mike Budenholzer is like, damn, they'll win a couple championships. So I just, yeah, I'm surprised they kept Luke Walton. I assume you're kind of the same. Way. Literally, like I just, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why <laughs> and i just this is why this is where i want becky hammond everyone is saying you know wait for pop to retire no 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 get that man luke walton out of sacramento put becky hammond there please because you've seen like every year okay not every year but some years you're like can sacramento do it this year can they crack that eighth seed and time and time again disappointment so please get him out of there and they don't have understand such... why he's still there <laughs> and they have such a fun group like you have De'Aaron Fox you have Tyrese Halliburton Rashawn Holmes is a free agent but he could come back this year there's a good group there and like I want to see that like, even, even if you think you can still get something in a Marvin Bagley something productive out of Marvin Bagley 
There's a fund group to be had there. It's just being wasted. I'm not saying they're going to be a championship contender with a new coach. That's not going to happen. Like if you if you gave if you if Mike Budenholzer got fired tomorrow, they won game three and he gets fired anyway, and, <laughs> and he goes to Sacramento, he would turn them into a playoff team, but they wouldn't be a good playoff team. They'd be getting uh, they'd be getting beat around in the eighth seed. But at least there's progress and you're getting back to the playoffs. That's what Sacramento wants. They want to get back to the playoffs. They had the longest playoff drought. I understand that you want to get to the eighth seed. Luke Walton's not going to do that for you. He's not going to like. He's not going to progress this team to becoming any better than they already are. You need new blood there. And I just what we said about Indiana cutting bait after one year. Sacramento's doing the exact opposite. They're just wait, they're waiting way too long. They're giving him far too many chances when you had a better coach before him. You had Dave Yeager right there, and he was better. And then you fired him, and you brought in a worse head coach. You're like, well, damn, this is going to blow up in our faces if we let him go this early. Just cut they're, bait. They're wasting uh, Darren Fox's years. Mm-hmm. Like they're wasting his years. Like that—that's how. That's all you can say. It like, breaks. It breaks my actual heart to watch my favorite player just wasting away in Sacramento. No one watches him. Like I have to tell people how good De'Aaron Fox is because I know no one's watching their games. I know most people listening to this podcast know how good De'Aaron Fox is, but he's wasting away in Sacramento, and it just makes me so sad that he signed this contract. I, I get your money, De'Aaron. I going to support you regardless. I know you're not going to be listening, but still, on the off chance. If you're listening, come on the pod. As please, I say, oh my every goodness, time we please, say that. I will, oh my goodness, please. <laughs> I'll reach out to you in a heartbeat. But yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm so sad for Sacramento. And I really, I'm sad for their fans. They deserve better than this. And Luke Walton is not. I don't think I've ever met any like Sacramento fans. I'm probably the closest thing you'll ever meet to a Sacramento fan for a while. And that's only because of De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there could be one more coaching availability to be had. That is the Milwaukee Bucks opening. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, there was a report today that something that like he could be fired if they land with a thud or something, some weird like analogy like that. Um, <laughs> so do, is that, do I want to just, do I want to just get into this rant now? Do I want to get into my Bucks rant now? Or how do you, how do you want to, you want me to just the let go? The floor is yours. Just All right. Go. Cool. Let's do this. All right. So the Milwaukee Bucks are down. They're only down 2-0. Oh, no, sorry, 2-1. Wow, I just, I forgot that that game was so bad last night that I forgot they won. Um, yeah, they won game three. It was terrible. It did not look inspiring whatsoever. Two players, Giannis and Chris, scored 79% of their points because literally no one else bothered to show up. No, Even Giannis, by his standards, had a, gonna hold, gonna withdraw my swearing as much as I can in this, had a very bad game. I saw a really great tweet um, from a member of Bucks Twitter. I, I forgive me for not remembering who this was, but at the time he only had seven threes attempted, but he finished with eight, so I'll update it with eight. He had five turnovers and seven threes attempted, so that basically means he had thirteen turnovers. Like w- every time, I I don't know who to blame, whether it to be Giannis or to be Mike Budenholzer for him taking these atrocious early shot clock threes, and he's done it for years, and they've always been bad. And I don't know why, like in the regular season, fine. And the, they, they blow teams out in the regular season, let them do whatever he wants. Try and get that, you know, consistency in your jump shot. You're down 2-0 in a playoff series and you're taking eight threes and you made one of them. You're not a good shooter. You're not Bryn Forbes. I don't give, I'm not giving you the permission to take that many shots. I have, so I've, I've been a long time viewer of Steve Dangle's videos. And I remember one in particular where 
Jake Gardner, a defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs, got caught with a bunch of turnovers, caught flat-footed, and he made a lot of mistakes. I loved him, but he made a lot of mistakes. And in that video, he said that the coach of the Leafs in every visiting city they go to, you visit the local fish market, you buy the biggest fish you can, you bring it to the arena, and you go to Jake Gardner and you tell him, if you get caught flat-footed and turn the puck over, I am beating you over the head with this large salmon. Mike Budenholzer needs to go to every single fish market and say, Giannis, if you take a, sh a three with more than five seconds on the fucking shot clock, you are getting a salmon over the top of the head. I swear to God. Like, I don't know what the problem is. And that uh, that's not even my biggest problem with this series. It's just, I want, that's my problem from last night. I've had so many problems over this series that I just don't know where to start. Like, go back to game one. They shot horrendously. They're going iso ball against a team that is built to play iso ball. You're not going to outscore Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Forget James Harden because his hammy blew out. You can't even beat two of the three. Wait till James Harden comes back. You're fucked at that point. Like, it's just embarrassing. Like, they, what's the point of running all these Giannis empty side pick and rolls? What's the point of running all these, like, this fancy offense with guys in the dunker spot and having Giannis kick out to shooters? What's the point of doing that in the regular season if you're not going to do it in the playoffs? Everything you do in the regular season was built for the playoffs. That's why everyone had confidence in you to beat the Brooklyn Nets because you were, like, we had you had the offense. You weren't going to like bog down. You're getting killed by a team that's starting Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin. What is happening? The the Nets made a run in the second quarter because Br Bruce Brown was setting screens. That's all he did was set screens and shoot floaters over the top of Brooke Lopez, who didn't bother to jump. He didn't bother to move. It's just, it's baffling to me what is happening to this team. And I, I know there's the jokes about, oh, they collapse in the playoffs. I get the jokes. But this is beyond anything anyone could have comprehended. This is beyond comprehension about how bad they have been. Like, even again, they won last night and it looked the exact same as they played the last two games before that. The only difference was Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant missed some shots and Joe Harris. It was it's it was such an embarrassing. It's been an embarrassing series, and I even if they even if they lose this series in seven, if they can force this series to seven, something needs to change here. Like something has to change. Where I, again, I don't know if it's Mike Budenholzer telling them to like, hey, all the stuff we did in the regular season, forget it. Drew, just go out there and and I don't want to slander Drew too much, but my God, some of the stuff he's doing too, where it's just like. He could be running pick and rolls. He could call Giannis over for a pick and roll, but instead he calls over Chris and they just switch that and it just results in a terrible shot. Or he'll like ISO Nick Claxton and try to take a step back over the man with the long arms. Kevin Durant's the same thing. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It's all just nonsense. I, I have no confidence in them to win this series. I, I was convinced they were going to get swept. They're still going to lose in five. I, it would be a miracle if they take this to anything more than five games. I'm just... I feel like I've gone on long enough and I've vented enough at this point, but my God, this is such a, just a frustrating, frustrating team. I was telling, I was talking to someone last night and we were talking about it. They, they actually brought up the DeRozan Lowry Raptors and how he thought that team was mentally weak, but now you're watching the Bucks and it's like, this is so much worse. I have more, I would have more confidence in the Lowry and DeRozan Raptors to take the Nets the big two nets, not the big three nets. The big two nets further in this series because I could at least guarantee that Dwayne Casey would like not just tell DeRozan to iso ball and Kyle Lowry to iso ball against the best iso ball team in the league. It's it's baffling. This is baff. It is mind boggling. The garbage that has been put on this court. I have been hoodwinked. 
I was hoodwinked after that Miami series. Mike Budenholzer had a whole game plan for that series. And then once they beat the, the Heat, he was like, well, damn. I got nothing else for the rest of this, so you guys just go out there and try your best. Was the regular season only to beat the Heat? Was that the reason they didn't tank that game so they could beat the Heat, make them feel good about themselves before they got their asses kicked against Brooklyn? Fuck. I hate this fucking team. God damn it. (sighs) Wow. That was a solid rant. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed that. And, you know, to those listening, I just want to mention that Bradshaw and I, we always have production meetings before podcasts. And we had our production meeting two days ago. And the way we we, we did this segment was two ways. If... Brooklyn is up 3-0. We have these sets of questions. And it was basically about, like, what changes does Milwaukee need to make? Are they going to blow it up? Whatever. If they're down 2-1, we were going to say, what went well for Milwaukee in Game 3? And does it even matter if Harden comes back? It's 2-1. But the questions are the same as if it were 3-0. Because I just... You can't say what went well for Milwaukee. Because that was an ugly game. Like, I went back to I went back to go watch some of the parts that I missed, and it was it like it was wild. Like they were dominating that first quarter, and they were doing everything they were supposed to do. You know, Giannis was doing his stinky face or whatever you call it, the, <laughs> the one that I don't like. I mean, he was doing all that, and mm-hmm. then you get to the second quarter, and it's like, what happened? Did you forget how to play? Um, and, you know, you mentioned Giannis and Middleton being literally the only people doing anything and scoring. And even Giannis, he still had a bad game. And he was still the only one with Chris scoring. And, you know, I did have a question for you. Okay. I wanted to know what you think about adjustments when it comes to starting lineups. Because Bud did go with the same matchups. And Again. I saw, like, a, yeah, a lot of people were talking about that. And I'm wondering, like... How much of an impact do you think that has? Like, do you think like in-game adjustments matter more than that starting lineup? It matters a little bit. I think my one concern, my my biggest concern so far with PJ starting is that well, one, it creates a spacing problem, and if but like you're you're okay with that spacing problem if he can contain Kevin Durant, and he had a relatively like again, KD missed some pretty easy shots in that game, but he made him work more than he did in the first two games. In the first two games, he looked like an actual liability on defense. And if PJ Tucker is going to be a liability on defense, he has I'm no offense to PJ. He has no he has no business being on the court. Like it's the same thing with Bryn Forbes. If Bryn Forbes isn't hitting shots, even for the like the idea of the spacing that he provides, if he's not hitting shots, he's a liability. Get him off the court. But that limits you to then just having Pat Condon and uh, Bobby Portis. But the one one thing I would would like to see them maybe go to. I, I really wish they would go to more Giannis at center minutes in this game in these series at some point. Just even if you're not going to start him just to stagger the minutes where you have Brooke and Giannis on the floor. So you eliminate the need for Bobby Portis to be the only big man on the floor because I like Bobby Portis and he provides consistent offense. He, he, it's not a worry with him. He's going to get his buckets, whether it's four points or 16. He only had four, I think, last night. But he And then defensively, he's a, he's a liability sometimes, but at least he moves around a little bit And Brooke, as opposed to Brooke Lopez, who just is like stone-footed. But like, there's at least like you see the you see where that like you can see the movement a little bit, and you see he's like at least giving an effort. I would like to see them go to more Giannis at center. I don't think they should keep starting PJ Tucker if he if it's going to go back to what it was in games one and two. He's there's no need for PJ Tucker to be starting because you ha- then at that point you just have like you have to give Giannis the KD matchup, and 
try and let him try his best and hopefully he doesn't pick up fouls because if PJ is going to be a liability out there, there's no, he's no, has no business. So I, you'd have to look at something like, but then Giannis, but then PJ has to play if Giannis is at the five. So Giannis, PJ, Pat, Drew, and Chris, and like you just have to hope to God that they can make that uh, PJ or Pat can make some shots because it's bad. It's if they're not making shots, it's bad. Yeah, uh, like, and I just, I every like we can talk about Milwaukee all we want, but. You know, when you look at the net side, it doesn't even matter if Harden comes back mm-hmm. because, you know, Joe Harris had a bad shooting night uh, when they played, and that's that's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sorry, Bradshaw, like, I hate to break it to you. You probably already know it, but uh, <laughs> I think it's the end of the road for your oh, Milwaukee absolutely. Bucks. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to get one thing. I forgot, I actually forgot one thing in my rant because I was just going so far, but this was like the main thing I wanted to, well, one of the main things I wanted to bring I forgot up was, the main thing. was nice. the minutes. The minutes thing. Uh, yeah. Can we please stop making that, like, the thing that Mike Budenholzer needs to change? And I know last night the big three from Milwaukee played, like, I think they all played well over 40 minutes. I think I think Drew played 45 minutes. Like, I think he basically played the entire game. Um, and he like, that's the thing. Drew wasn't great offensively, but he had a really solid defensive game. And he, like, that was probably the best he's looked defensively in this series, which is good to see. It's that nice of Drew to show up doing something in this series at all um but it's not the the minutes like everyone focused on the minutes like oh if Giannis played 45 minutes the bucks will win every game that's not it's not the minutes per se it's just what they're doing when the guys aren't on the floor like if if you want to limit Giannis to 38 39 minutes in a game one i have no problem with that but you got to make sure who's going to be on the floor when he's not you have to make sure that it's not bobby portis by himself as a big man, just getting slaughtered defensively because he has no one else to help him protect the rim because he's not a rim protector. You have to make sure that Giannis and Brooke both aren't off the floor at the same time. You have to make sure that if Drew Holiday's off, you need to make sure there are like other ways to initiate your offense. I Again, I have no problem with him limiting their minutes. It, it, yesterday was a do-or-die game, so he had to play them an excessive amount, and he'll probably have to do it again in Game 4. At least I would hope so. Like it's, It is a problem, and I agree it is a problem, but it's not the problem it's letting mike budenholzer off the hook for his other main problems it's like oh all he needs to fix is the minutes no it's not the minutes the minutes aren't the only problem there's so many other things within what they're doing wrong that that it's i I remember um steve jones in game one uh at steve jones 20 on the dunk he's on the dunker spot when the guy is dunking he had a tweet in game one that he didn't realize how bad the bucks were shooting because he was so focused on everything else they were doing wrong. They were doing so many other things wrong that he didn't realize they were like six for 30 from three. And that's just, that's the whole problem is like, there are so many things that are going wrong with the bucks that depended on one thing where it's like, Oh, it's just the minutes. Oh, it's just them. Like it's just Giannis taking too many threes. It's not just one thing. They're getting destroyed. Like they're getting outplayed, outcoached out everything. They're getting out bodyguarded. Like Kevin Durant's <laughs> personal bodyguard showing up on the court. I don't like, I don't even like Bucks fans are going insane with that. Some people have been saying he needs to be banned from all NBA arenas. That's just like, let's just calm down a little bit. It's a little weird that uh, he has a personal bodyguard on the Nets payroll, but I'm not going to demand he be banned from the series. He has a, he, he's a team member of the, you know, I seem to recall people, <laughs> Milwaukee fans, saying that Drake. <laughs> yeah, they they should said the same. Yeah, they said he should be banned too. At least they're consistent. I'll give them. What's that. up with that? <laughs> I'll, they, they're consistent. I'll give them that. They mm-hmm. want both. They want both. They want both banned. They want both team employees being banned. 
Uh, it's just, there's so many things who are wrong. Uh, to answer the two questions we have here, uh, what would Wilford Milwaukee in game three? Two no. things. Chris showed, Chris showed up for the first time in this series, and the Nets missed a bunch of shots. Congratulations, that's not a recipe to win you any games. Uh, it doesn't matter if Harden comes back. No, it, won't, it doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter now. Harden comes back, it just makes it worse. But congratulations, this team sucks. Can't wait to re. I'm I'm researching new coaches at like I've started researching coaches today. Oh, I'm I'm ready to like have coach takes by the next podcast, so we can be ready for that. Uh, let's go I to. Gotta Hawks say, <laughs> I've I, I love I've loved this development throughout the series. I'm done. Like I just I can't do it anymore. I'm I'm not. If they hire, and that's the other thing. If they hire like a retread, and they're going to hire, they are going to hire a retread head coach. They will because it's a championship team, and they're going to think we need a like a NBA level like. NBA experience head coach and they're going to do something stupid like hire Mark Jackson or like Jeff Van Gundy and I'm going to I if they do something like that I'm not watching a single game next year. I'm not watching a single one. We can convert you back to being a Raptors fan. Not happening. <laughs> I watch Ra- I watch Raptors games because I have to for the job that I have. I don't I will not watch them for pleasure. The only pleasure I get out of them is making fun of you guys when they're losing. But now you're getting it all back on me in this series so it's fine. Let's go to the other Eastern Conference series. We'll go to uh, Hawks and Sixers. Um, one of these two teams will probably have a better shot at beating the next in the next round because they have they know how to run offenses. Um, let's start with the, probably the biggest question. Uh, ben Simmons, he's having a series. Uh, he took three shots in game two. Three. He had four points. He missed two free throws. He scored two baskets and took three shots. Um, I like Ben Simmons a lot. I think Ben Simmons is a very, I think he gets a lot of aggressive slander on NBA Twitter because he's not a shooter and that's fine. If he's not going to be, I love Giannis. He's not a shooter. It's the aggression. I've stated that many times. I actually found a fun stat last night and we'll, I will share it on this here podcast right now. This season, uh, in the 2020, 21 NBA season, his season high in field goal attempts was 26. He took 26 shots against the jazz earlier this year. That's a lot. That's a lot of shots. Do you know what his lowest was? Do you know? Do you want to know what his lowest field goal attempts in a game? He played 31 minutes in the game that he took this many shots. By the way, it wasn't like an injured or an injury where he came out early. I, do I want to know? God, what is it? Two. <laughs> I have I gonna, never. I was gonna say one. So like, <laughs> I have never seen a player with that swing in feel in that drastic of field goal attempts between 26 and two and it's like it's wild i don't get it with him like there are times where he looks like one of the most dominant players in the nba when he's going downhill and he's attacking and then even and then off that he's drawing defenders and you start kicking out because he's an incredible passer but it's just insane to watch him just refuse to take shots when like you have joel Embiid doing all he can Tobias Harris is a great, he's had a great series so far, but it's not someone you can like truly rely on all the time. So then it's up to Danny Green or Seth Curry to make shots. And it really shouldn't be. If you're part of the big three, you should be doing a little more score. I know like his passing is invaluable and I don't want to take away from what makes him great, but he can do both. You don't have to take three shots to be a great passer. You can take 10 shots and still be a great passer. It's okay. It's he's just, and he's just passing up looks it's almost like bam in the milwaukee series where he was just passing up easy shots 
Uh, is that kind of like where your head's at with Ben Simmons? Because we just had like a, we just wanted to discuss Ben Simmons. So like, where's your head out with Ben Simmons so far in the series? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. It's like for me with him, it's like when he wants to and when he doesn't want to. Like he's just like, it doesn't make any sense. And you know, I have this problem with Pascal because he just like the aggression isn't there. Like if the second he adds that consistently, both Ben and Pascal, the second they add that aggression consistently, oh my God, they'll be so much better. <laughs> and like, like you said, like when you're relying on Seth Curry and, you know, Tobias Harris to help out offensively, like he's lucky that they're actually providing an offensive boost mm. because we've seen that when they're not, the Sixers are nowhere to be found. And yeah. They're lucky they haven't beat. That's another story. Um, but I was also watching him defensively. And and the reason why is because, you know, he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. Ha, 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 whatever. He can whine a little bit more. <laughs> but I was watching clips from Game 2 again. And when I'm looking at Ben Simmons, not only is he not attempting shots on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, he's just kind of watching the game. Like, he's just kind of standing there, doesn't really always want to try at all at all times to be a defender or to get that rebound. Like, he's just, like, it's like you took someone, like a fan, you put them on the court, <laughs> and you're like, okay, go. And then they're just, like, looking at the ball like that. Like, <laughs> oh, where is it? And, like, I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't know if you've noticed that, but I don't understand mm. why he does that. Um, and he has to be, like, oh, God, he makes me so angry, this man. <laughs> it makes me so angry because I know and like like you said, like his passing is great, but there's so many other aspects of his game that if he could just wake up a little, he'd be so, so good. If he wasn't so like, no pun intended, if he wasn't so passive, then like it would really like, it's just Perfect. there are too many, there are too many times in like, especially in a playoff series where he's, he's just way too passive and you're like, you need more from him. And this is actually kind of starts to swing into what we we're going to talk about with how the Sixers once again, cannot figure out the non-Joel Embiid minutes. Like, it's just, once again, they're stuck with this. And I think part of it is Ben Simmons. Like, when Ben Simmons is out there, he needs to, like, take on more of that scoring load. If Joel Embiid is going to sit for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of a game because his knee is bothering him or, like, they just need to give him rest, he has to be part of it. So I pulled a couple numbers. Uh, Philadelphia is minus uh, 7.9 per 100 possessions with Embiid uh, off in the playoffs. That's per cleaning the glass. And then... Simmons and Dwight lineups in the playoffs were minus 10.4 per 100 possessions. Like, in the, but that And that's such a problem because Dwight is the guy that has to come in to fill the Embiid minutes. And you don't want it to be a bet, like the bench plus Tobias Harris. You don't want Dwight and Tobias Harris to be out there doing whatever they can. Like So Simmons will need to be out there. You'd ideally like to have Simmons and Tobias Harris. That's one thing I will give Mike Budenholzer credit for is that he has at least consistently always had two of their big three on the court at all times. And that's at least something that like has changed over the years. Well, it also probably was because Eric Bledsoe wouldn't be, couldn't be trusted, but at least you need, you want to have two of those guys out there, but even if you want just one, if it's Simmons and Dwight and they both have to be out there, those minutes are a problem. So I don't know. I, it's almost like an impossible question. How do you, how would you, what's a solution for you to fixing the non Embiid minutes? Is it like as simple as like, Simmons needs to be more aggressive. I just, it's insane. Like, Embiid, like, just for a second, like, I'm just going to fangirl about Embiid a little bit because <laughs> this man is on a terrible 
leg injury. And he is giving you playoff highs? Are you kidding me? And this is how you help your teammate out? God, disappointing. Um, but I was looking at the the rotation, and it's just, it's so weird. Because you have, you know, you have Tobias, you have Seth, you have Embiid, like, all doing well. Dwight is, like, very on and off, you know. Mm. He'll have a game, good game here, and another game. It's like... He's a role player. Eh. That's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then you look at, like, George Hill, Danny Green... Both of who are playing, you know, quite a lot of minutes and mm. not really doing very much. I mean, you know, Raptors fans are very familiar with Danny Green. And I'm <laughs> and, very familiar with George Hill. And you're very familiar with George Hill, exactly. And it's like, it's always that thing, like, you you want to ex- you want to expect them to be better, mm. but you know that you can't really <laughs> get anything out of them. And then, uh, on the other hand, I was looking at, like, Shake Milton... If he continues to have shooting nights like that, which he might not, then maybe consider keeping him there. I mean, it's not like you can use, you know, Maxi, who had uh, five points in game two. None of them being on field goals. So, Ooh, uh, all free throws. Yeah. Shout out to Tyrese Maxi. Yeah. They uh, didn't want to trade him for Kyle Lowry. I and I am I am high on Tyrese Maxi too. I think Maxi's gonna be a great prospect, a uh, great player. He is a great prospect. Um, but He's had a he's had a rough go in this series so far, and I, I'm a little confused when I saw people saying that like, oh, maybe he should start so they could kind of attack Trey Young a bit more. And I'm like, I don't know if I trust him to do that on the bench, let alone as a starter. Um, I, they have to they have to start attacking Trey Young a little bit more. They have to start like hunting him a little bit more. Like they're lucky he, Trey had a poor shooting night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just it's so weird. Like obviously the Sixers aren't constructed as a team that could really beat. They don't really have a guy that can beat you off the dribble and can kind of attack Trey Young that way. But you have Ben Simmons, who is like probably at least like three quarters of a foot bigger than Trey Young. You can at least start there. But he's sleeping. He's yeah. sleeping on the court. He's looking to just find Tobias Harris for a pull up jumper. Even Tobias Harris could attack Trey Young a bit more. Dreaming of Cancun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he might, he, he probably is. Uh, I just want to do some quick Joel Embiid through the first two games of this series, averaging 39.5 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks, three assists, a steal and a half. He's getting to the line over 15 times a uh, game in these last two. It just it, He's doing all the work. <laughs> he is the guy in the group project doing all the work, and everyone's just kind of filling in their little bits here and there around him. He's like, you know that meme where it's like, you know, like, hold my beer? Yeah. So it's like the Sixers are doing bad, and then it's like, and he's right. like, hold my beer, and he goes in, he does what he's supposed to do, <laughs> and uh, here we are. <laughs> like, at, at some point, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's likely, but if he has an off game, I'm concerned as to what will happen <laughs> to the Philadelphia 76ers if they can't figure out what to do on offense if he's having a bad night. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried for the, uh, for the Sixers going forward. I think they'll take care of the Hawks. I like the Hawks a lot, but I think uh, DeAndre Hunter is a bit of a loss here. Uh, obviously, he's now out with a torn meniscus that he's having surgery on. We did have a question in our show prep from two weeks, from days, two days ago that, uh, you know, how much of an impact will DeAndre Hunter make when he comes back? And then uh, basically Man. immediately after the meeting ended, uh, I think it was actually during the meeting. We just didn't see it, but uh, torn meniscus. Hope he gets better soon. Uh, just for the Hawks, we'll have a little bit of a Hawks question here. Like, kind of what what's the path for them to win this series now without DeAndre Hunter? Is Obviously, Clint Capella is going to have to... He's going to have to just keep trying his best on Joel Embiid. That's, 
it's their best option. It's essentially their only option. Everyone else is going to get bullied. Clint Capella is already getting bullied. Uh, is it just trying to like make the load a little easier on Trey Young and just trying to give him those easier looks? Because they started to throw Simmons and Tybal at him a bit more in game two. So is it just as simple as like get him those easier looks and then he can kind of facilitate from around that? Yeah, I think it'll become easier. I don't. I don't think Trey will have like another poor shooting night like he did the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know as he starts to like kind of get back into his rhythm, I think it'll be easier to get him those looks. And I think they will continue to try. Like they should because Trey's Trey is that guy. Trey is their guy. You know, it's I'm not. You know, I'm not hurting as much to say <laughs> that. Maybe it's because you know I haven't like looked at his face for like a day. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, was, was that really that mean? Okay, It's just Sorry. funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the Hawks, um, they are going to be able to capitalize if the Sixers continue to make dumb mistakes and just not support Mr. Joel Embiid. And if Joel Embiid does have like a rough night, mm-hmm. um, I think the Hawks will definitely like take another game here and there. Um, especially because, what is it now? It's... 1-1, one, one, right? 1-1, one, one, so, yeah. 1-1 one, one next game. Why do I feel like this This has been... I feel like these games have been, like, going on for so long. I don't know why. Um, I, I, lo- I love the second round, though, because you're always getting... You're usually getting two games in a night, and they're mm-hmm. actually, like, high-quality games. You got rid of the first round, just fodder. You got rid of the 7-8 and eight seeds who shouldn't be there, like the Los Angeles Lakers. What a bunch of bums. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, that, that slander we can both agree on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I couldn't get away with that Los Angeles Lakers slander before, but now I can. Yes. That was the whole oh, goal. Oh, true. That true. was the whole goal of getting S off this podcast. I really so hope S is listening. He's going to listen to this. <laughs> I hope, I'll make sure he listens to this. Um, I, I'm really excited for the Hawks' future, though. I think this is kind of a team that you, we can be excited about going forward. They're such a deep team offensively. They have so many different ways they can beat you. Uh, it's It reminds me a little bit of a team we'll get to in a little bit with the Jazz. Just they have so many different ways to beat you offensively. There's so many guys that can do it. Um. I'm looking, that's been one of my favorite series so far to watch. Uh, we'll see if that continues or if the Sixers just have decided, all right, we're done playing with our food now. We're going to just wipe away the, the Atlanta Hawks. Let's go to Suns Nuggets. That game also goes tonight. Well, if you're listening to this tomorrow morning, it was last night. As of right now, as of recording, it's 2-0 uh, for the Suns. The Suns have looked very, very good in this series. Like, they've looked scary good, and it's, it's a little worrisome. I feel bad for the Nuggets because this is a team that, with Jamal Murray, I think this would have been a very, very competitive series. And the first half of both games have been really competitive. I just, this leads into my question was just that, do the Nuggets have enough firepower with Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. now with a back injury, who looked like at the beginning of that game, he looked stiff. Like it did not look very good. And he did not look very good. Aaron Gordon is like picking up more of the offensive load, but that's not what Aaron Gordon really does best. He's not really meant to be that kind of like second option on a contending team. They did get Will Barton back. Uh, he played a he played a, a, a decent amount of minutes. He was on the minutes restriction. Didn't do much. Uh, do they have enough firepower? Is Will Barton enough to kind of get them over the hump here? Are the are the clip are the Clippers? Are the Nuggets just destined to be done within like five games? Yeah, I mean, he did okay. Like he had ten points in like sixteen minutes or whatever. He shot fifty percent from the field. Um, I feel like the Nuggets just don't seem to have enough. Like, it's not that they're bad. It's just that Phoenix is exceptionally good. And, you know, I will say, before I talk about Phoenix, Novak Djokovic posted a video, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, 
um, congratulating Jokic on his MVP award and wearing oh, his jersey. Oh, that's very nice of him. It's very nice, but I'm saying just for posting that, the Nuggets are. Oh, bad. come on. <laughs> and yes, that is my bias, my tennis bias <laughs> coming in there a little bit. But uh, I just want to sneak some of that slander in because I saw the video fair. this morning. That's fair. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> Well, yeah, like I said, like, I just think that Phoenix has been, like, really, really good. I mean, you have Mikhail Bridges, who finished with 16 points. You know, he went 5-12 from the field. You have Booker, who had 18 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. Chris Paul is amazing when he's healthy. Like, wow. He's back. He's, he's back. back. What a concept, staying healthy. Whew. Okay. Hey, whoa. <laughs> You leave Chris Paul. There's no Chris Paul slander on this here podcast. Whoa, whoa. That, that wasn't that wasn't this Chris Paul no slander. Chris no, no, Chris Paul no, slander. no, 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 no. Okay. Better that not. Works. Better not be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, and you know we're we're gonna talk about DeAndre Ayton too. But I just think this Phoenix Suns team is really good, and they're really fun. Like they come in with this energy, and you know they have momentum, which is a word that you do not like. I know, but um, silly. I think it's really helped them, and I'm I'm so happy for this team. I became a bandwagon Phoenix Suns uh, <laughs> fan like last season in the bubble. So, yeah, I think a lot of people kind of latched on to the to the Suns, especially like if not last season, then you, then they got on the bandwagon this season. Me, I got on it this season because of Chris Paul, because I want I want nothing more than to have Chris Paul win a championship in my life. Uh, maybe even more so. No, not more so than the Bucks. The Bucks first, then Chris Paul. Chris Paul can kick rocks if it's if it's uh, Suns Bucks in the final, but uh, I just want to bring up some. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. Um, it's funny. I, I was having a debate. It was it got, it, we've had my friend and I have had this debate kind of since the All Star game, or when the All Star actually when this All Star rosters were announced, and Chris Paul was in over Devin Booker originally, and then Booker got in as a injury replacement, and we started this debate of who was the best player on the Suns. To me, it's Chris Paul. Chris Paul, to me, is the best player on this team. I, I'm more of like, it's a 1A, 1B, but if I had to choose, it would be Chris Paul. But then we kind of tabled it for a while. Then Devin Booker had his insane uh, game six, I believe, against the the Lakers where he had like 47 points or something. And he's like, he's going at me. He's like, man, how can you tell me this guy's not the best player on this team? I'm like, but Chris Paul has a bum shoulder. What do you want him to do? Now you look at him this series, 19 points, 13 assists, uh, one turnover. He's had one one turnover 26 assists to one turnover in this series chris paul is a little bit good guys he's the best player on this Still team at all he is the best player on this team but someone who should be getting a little bit more credit for being the third best player on this team and someone who did a very fine job in the first uh, in the first round against the lakers and has continued to do so in this series deandre ayton we feel like deandre ayton has not been given the respect that he has been deserved of he started off hot against Lakers kind of tailed off the couple eight point games against the Lakers in the last couple games but this series he's averaging 17 and a half points 10 rebounds shooting 65 percent from the field he's looked really good again and he's doing it against Nikola Jokic Nikola Jokic struggled in game one and it's that's he's doing it on both ends he's going up against the MVP offensively and he's out of he's the one being tasked to shutting him down defensively I just we both feel like there needs to be more respect for him on this team it's more than just Devin Booker and Chris Paul or Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It's more than just those two guys. They are, it's such a good team. And he's kind of like, I don't know how far they go. If Aiden isn't playing the way he's playing right now, do you kind of where like, 
where would you see the Suns if Aiton was like kind of, I don't know, let's say he was just at like, if he did like 10 points a game or something, he kind of like didn't come up very big in the playoffs. Like they're not, they're, they're might've been out in the first round. Yeah. I think the key with this Phoenix team is that they have, you know, so many good players together Mm -hmm. and it's not just like one or two individual stars. And I think that like, like you mentioned, like he's, doing a good job on Jokic and you know even though the MVP is you know putting up good numbers I think like a combination of you know that Phoenix defense and not a lot of help from the from the Denver supporting staff is like why the mm-hmm. Suns have been so dominant and so yes give give him the respect he deserves he's really good and you know I see Raptors fans like everyone they're so thirsty man like every single player like even with Aiden they're like finding a way to get him to come to Toronto I'm like Please just enjoy Phoenix Suns basketball. Enjoy what he's doing with them, and just leave our team alone. When trying we're to get, not J- even trying in the to get Jason Tatum to Toronto. You guys are you guys are turning into yes, Laker fans. It's turning into is, Laker fans. It's real bad. It's definitely very questionable <laughs> behavior. <laughs> you guys lost out on Giannis, and they were like, "Well, we got to turn attention somewhere." No, you don't. No, you don't. Oh, I've also seen a couple of people say, "Okay, when is it time to bring back the Giannis to Toronto <laughs> campaign?" You guys have you guys good luck good luck with that. <laughs> Hope you guys try enjoy doing that. Uh, I I yeah I I want I want Aiton to get some just not even just with this team with the draft class because obviously the headliners were Trey and Luka Doncic and they've been great in the playoffs but DeAndre Ayton has too. DeAndre Ayton has as well and I think he just needs to be given. Just I want to see him get a little bit more shine and I'm I'm glad he's getting a little bit more shine. He played really well this season. Um, he's been great in the playoffs so far, and I just I'm I'm really happy he is the one shining, or he's getting some shine as well. Uh, big picture question here for the Suns because they blew up the Nuggets, and this is getting a little ahead of ourselves. We admit that. I admit that. I came up with this question. I admit this is a bit ahead of ourselves. Are the Suns, as currently constructed in this particular season, not going forward, this season right now, can they win the championship? Yes or no? I think they can reach the finals for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they win it depends on the matchup. I think if it's anyone other than the Nets, then yes, I think they can win it. I'm more hesitant with the Nets. I mean, also, it's also like the Bucks just being hot shit. But, uh, if the Nets, if it's a Nets-Suns matchup in the finals, then I, I think it'll go like a, a long way and like they can cause trouble. Maybe they could win it, but you know, anyone else, I'm pretty, pretty confident in the Phoenix Suns. Interesting. So you even have them beat it. You you would have them confidently beating the next series we're going to be talking about, the Clippers and the Jazz? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Well, let's get into that series then. The Clippers and the Jazz, the Jazz are up 2-0 as of their victory last night, or if you're listening to this now, two nights ago. Um, the Clippers, the Clippers have fit, they've, they've, ooh, their late <sighs> game, their late game offense, tough. <laughs> Please go ahead. <laughs> Clippers, and I said this on Ballbusters, and I'll say it here too. The Clippers have disappointed me. Okay. I I just cannot fathom what they're doing in those final possessions. I don't <laughs> understand. Every game I watch, and I'm like, what is going on here? What are you doing? Why are you passing it to Marcus Morris in the first game? Why aren't you calling a timeout? Why? Like, just why? The question is why? Just why? Um, 
And, you know, I I was always thought, like I said in the beginning, like the Jazz are beating the Clippers. But I didn't expect for the Clippers to just make mistakes that they normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's my problem with them. Just, it, it'd be a difference, like, even if they were still down 2-0, but if it was, like, a blowout or if it was, you know, whatever, something else. But they could have won. Both game games. one they could have yeah. won game two yeah. and it's just i don't understand they they confuse me they break my brain and you'd think this would be a team that would be like a good closing offense when you have paul george and Kawhi leonard those are two guys that you know two like great wing players that can get their own shots they can you know get the switches and the matchups they want you can attack donovan mitchell you can attack Boyan bogdanovich you can kind of get them moving a little bit but it's just it's just I don't quite understand, and it brings me back to uh, Crane and I talked about this um, in our production meeting a couple days ago. But it brings me back to the Clippers Bucks game in Milwaukee, where the Clippers offense just devolved into weird iso ball possessions and like weird switches where they wouldn't switch onto like a Pat Connaughton or a Dante DiVincenzo. They would switch onto like Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton or Giannis, which would like those are the three guys you want to avoid if you're gonna like if the Bucks are gonna be switching everything just avoid those guys and attack like a Bryn Forbes or a Pat Connaughton. It, 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 they just make weird late game decision. It's almost just seems like they don't like, they're not, not that they're not worried about it, but they're just like, or even in the first round, like Terrence Mann, when he like sprints, and I love Terrence Mann. I think it's insane that Terrence Mann hasn't played in this series. And Ty Lue's explanation was just that he's out of the rotation right now, which why is he out of the rotation? Right? What has he done to earn a spot out of the rotation? I would have him playing right now. Not that he would, change these games but I, I he would give you a better chance um but yeah even then in the first round he like sprints down the floor dumps off nick batum and nick batum takes a contested shot at the rim i just i don't understand or even Kawhi, his corner three against the babs that he's he's being pressured and he just jacks up a three hoping like hey let me recreate this toronto raptors magic right here and it's just i i don't quite know what their offense <laughs> you seem very excited by that well you know, i want to hear what you have to say there that that Kawhi thing i just i've been watching him and the threes that he like oh my god like why because he doesn't have the shot like he just he doesn't have the shot someone's in his face someone's giving him pressure and he tries to do it once he's like nah he thinks about it for some reason instead of passing the ball or trying to maybe create some sort of space he just chucks it up and i just i just scream at my tv i'm like why did you do that like i don't understand there are very few players that can get away with that, and one of them is just Kevin Durant because he's so tall. Like he he can get away with that because he can. But Kawhi just... can't. Like yeah, I, it doesn't make sense. And you know, like I don't have the same amount of confidence in them as I did when they went down 2-0 against the Mavs. Oh no, no. Because not only are the Jazz a much better team, but the Clippers just aren't. Like they're not going to let them get away with those mistakes. It's it's just it's it's so bad. Well, one of the striking similarities between the Jazz and the Mavs is that, you know, in the Mavs series, it was like one guy really scoring and really taking advantage and just insane shot making. Uh, and the Mavs had that with Luka Doncic, and right now the Clippers, the Jazz have that, sorry, with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but the one difference is, and we'll get into Mitchell in a second, the one difference is just that the Jazz guys around Donovan Mitchell are much more competent and much you, like they're just they're flat out better than the guys that are around Luka Doncic. Like I will take, but obviously you'll take the Jazz supporting cast ten times out of ten, twenty times, a hundred times, a thousand million trillion, all the times over the Mavs. 
Uh, but let's get into Donovan a little bit. Donovan Mitchell, uh, he's he's just really good in the playoffs. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he has, over his last 13 playoff games, so his last two series, like basically this series, last series, and then his seven-gamer against the Nuggets, he is a 66.1% true shooting percentage. Uh, it's just nuts. So that step back he had uh, in game two over, I think it was Marcus Morris, uh, and the third quarter, I believe, just just ridiculous. Like I was, I was just on a voice call with some of my friends watching that game, and like I was a bit ahead of them, and I just, I was, just, I shook my head. I was like Donovan Mitchell, my God, like it's, it's just ridiculous. Like it, I'm honestly, I'm becoming a Donna fan of Donovan Mitchell. Stop this! Stop <laughs> this! I know where this is going. I know where this is going. No, 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 and no, I need no. you to stop. I had to get, I know, I had to switch it up this time. I had to switch it up to Donna fan instead of. Nope. Don't say it. Okay. Sorry. Trust me, people. You do not want to hear these terrible puns. I bet. I listen I to them, so you don't have to. I okay. won't. I won't get into how we should start the Donna Van. No. <laughs> Why are you like this? Instead of the bandwagon, we have to have the Donna Van. Someone got to mock up the Donna Van, and everyone hop on because he's taking us to the moon. Um, the Donovan Mitchell. He's just been. That's it. You're fired. You can't fire me. Yes, I can. <laughs> you, know, you don't have the power. You might be a celebrity, but you don't have that. You don't have that power over me. Get out of here, uh, <laughs> please, Donovan Mitchell. Tell me how much of a Donna fan you are. Of... Stop. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna go right past that because Bradshaw's puns are never off. Fantastic. Um, but yeah. I love watching Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. I mean, he is just so fun to watch. Like, from last season to this season, um, it's just, I love it when players, and this goes for, like, Devin Booker, too, players who just seem to be built for the playoffs. Like, instead of shying away from, like, the spotlight or the pressure or anything, they just take advantage of it, and they're just, like, themselves. And I, I've used Donovan Mitchell in, like, previous articles of, like, making that leap to stardom. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that he can. I was always hesitant, like, of how successful he can be with this with the, with the Jazz. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, I'm still a little bit hesitant as I go. But it's just so fun to watch and it's so good for basketball. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I'm, I've been banging the Jazz drum the entire time. I've been leading the Jazz band the entire way. Um, and it's just, it, the I thought one, I vetoed that pun. You helped me with that pun. Yeah, I thought we changed it. Yeah, so the jazz band. You're, I'm leading the jazz. I'm like leading the jazz band. Okay, continue. Hates her own puns, people. She hates her own puns. She's just a hater in general. Um, it's just, that was I think always the one concern people had was just did the jazz have a guy that could create their his offense and just make those like those tough shots and make you know like when the offense bogs down in the playoffs that guy that could get those kind of shots and that's what Donovan Mitchell's turning into and if you have this guy it changes the entire trajectory of what you are as a team. It will, it, again, that's only 13 games. It could he, Maybe his offense falls off a cliff in these last the rest of the series, but I, I, I'm very curious to see how this goes and how this affects the Jazz going forward because Donovan Mitchell wasn't supposed to be this kind of player. Like, he was taken, I believe, 13th overall. You know, coming through college, he was, like, he was known as kind of like an energy defender kind of guy. He was, like... And he, they drafted him because his like his offensive game was expanding a little bit more after his second year at Louisville, and he's just taken off ever since. And he's becoming an incredible, incredible, incredible player. Um, so obviously the Jazz being up 2-0, they did that without Mike Conley, which I think is kind of the more 
one of the most imp- impressive things of all this is that they did this without kind of their, the, one of their best players this year. Um, similar question to what I had about the Suns. I get well, I guess you have the Suns over the Jazz, but does this change your does this change your mindset at all? Of like, okay, they're playing this well without Conley. If they get Conley back, when they get Conley back, hopefully soon, does that change your trajectory for them at all? Or are you still having them like they can they cap out a team that could that would probably lose to the Suns? I still think they'd probably lose to the Suns. And the reason I say that is because I still think the Clippers are a good team. But the only reason that the Jazz are like up to oh right now is there's a large a large part of the reason I should say is because of the mistakes that the Clippers have been making and it could just as easily be 2-0 for the Clippers right now if they don't make those mistakes so in that sense I'm gonna have to see a couple of more games uh, between them before I kind of like have a solid opinion of what will happen if Conley comes back um, I'm interested to see how the Clippers respond how they adjust if they do anything different um but yeah i'm, I'm still like mm, i'm still hesitant mm. on them that's fair and, and for both of these series like they're both 2-0 but the home team won both games they did what they were supposed to do things could change the clippers could obviously come back the nuggets could shock us and come back like nicole Jokic just goes insane and it's like, happened Jordan, before yeah like that's you Nicole Jokic is you're talking about guys that get better in the playoffs. That's Nicole Jokic to a T. Each my my thing with Jokic really quick is well actually we're getting into the MVP stuff anyway. Let's do this now. Um MVP Nicole Jokic, congratulations, Nicole Jokic. We both had that. I think anyone with a rational brain should have had that. Uh we'll get into fans with unrational brains in a second, but just yo my theory, my one theory on Jokic before we get to the nonsense. Um I think he's just so I don't know, aloof? He's so aloof and so mm-hmm. he doesn't care so much. It just seems like he doesn't care, like, yeah. in, in a good way. It's he like doesn't, his mic job. He doesn't seem like a pro- Yeah, he, it seems like, oh, what, we're in a, sorry, a playoff game? That's just, this is another game for me. I'll just keep going out there and do what I've been doing all year. It just, it really seems like it just, nothing really bothers him at all. You never see him get too high, too low, and that's just, that's, you, like everyone talks about the guys that get better in the playoffs is the guys like the raw raw Kobe Bryant or like the the Michael Jordan the LeBron James like oh you gotta have the killer instinct but then there's the other end where it's just Jokic it's like oh well playoff game's playoff game I'm still playing basketball it doesn't really matter where it is what time it is I'm still playing basketball can I get home and watch my my shows afterwards cool I uh, love it yeah because like you'll watch him and he'll just you know he'll get a he'll get a bucket I'll do this <laughs> I'll do that he'll be like yeah okay yeah, there you go. Ball still, goes my, in the still one of my favorite screenshots like of this playoffs was when he had he was getting doubled uh, against Portland. It was the, when he threw that skip pass in the corner in the the game where Dame was just going bananas and he was going bananas himself. And he's standing there and no one's really moving. He just throws his hand up. He's like he's holding the ball in one hand just like he's holding it away from the two defenders and the other hand goes up. He's like what the hell is going on? Like what <laughs> he's just looking like what what what's what's this? Like what where is everyone? And then he's like all right, I'm just throwing it across the court. Hopefully this works. <laughs> I love him. I love. I just love Nikola Jokic so much. I'm glad he won an MVP. He is. He might be like the most wholesome and like one of my favorite MVPs, just probably ever at this point. That's saying a lot coming from a guy whose star player won two MVPs. Wow. Jokic, he's just you can't hate Nikola Jokic. You really can't. You cannot hate. There, Nikola you can Jokic. put him on that list of players that you can't slander. Right yeah, next to true. Drew. It's just it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense to if you hate Nikola Jokic, you don't like fun. Uh, so. The MVP voting. <laughs> quite a statement. I don't quite know how to 
how to handle this. Um, Nikola Jokic won. Good. Uh, Embiid was second, I believe. Steph Curry was third. And then a bunch of a few other guys got some first place votes. I think Giannis got a first place vote or two here or there. Uh, LeBron got a fifth place vote. Ben Simmons got a fourth place vote. That was crazy. That's that's wild. We just talked all this stuff about Ben Simmons, but he got an MVP vote. Good for him. Watch, he's gonna start creating a narrative for himself now. <laughs> I never got, win MVP. I only got one vote. Brr, brr, brr. Uh, just going full LeBron James. Um, well, they are they are buddies. So, that's true. Uh, that is true. Maybe he's gonna give them some tips. Hopefully it's about being aggressive in the playoffs. Um, But someone who got a first place vote, a New York Knicks player. The New York Knicks were a great team this year. A lot of fun. They were a lot of fun. Julius Randle had a fantastic season. Was he the, Karina, did he get the first place vote for the New York Knicks? Was it Julius Randle? (sighs) No. Oh, okay. So no, no. So it had to have been like, okay, that's weird. But like, what did they, did they give it to like, someone accidentally gave like RJ Barrett the first place vote, like by mistake? wrong again was it at least a starting player for the new york knicks <laughs> no no oh it was derrick rose got a first place vote in 2021 for <laughs> most valuable player and it wasn't some people were key word it is 2021 he's God. not he's not the athletic guy he used to be he had a fine season good for him that i don't I don't really care about Derrick Rose at this point in my life. I'm not one of these weird Derrick Rose stands. I used to love him, and then he's turned out to be a piece of garbage. But that's not that's not even the point of this. It's just so you thought people thought that like oh maybe someone mixed it up and accidentally gave him the first place vote that they meant to give him for six man of the year. No, turns out it was from a consensus fan vote, and they gave him the. No one knew about this. No one, no one on Twitter. Reveal that I yourselves, please. <laughs> we just want to talk. We just want to talk. I honestly, honestly, I don't. I, I would. My first question wouldn't even be about why did you vote for Derrick Rose. My first question would be how did you find this? How did you get selected to be one of the consensus fan voters for MVP? My next question is something they wouldn't be able to answer. It would something that have to go a little higher up in the NBA office. Why? Why is there a consensus fan vote? Fans are dumb. I don't know it. I don't know a lot. I'm not there yet. Don't ask me for my opinion on these awards that like affect contracts. I'm not like if I get into the media and I start to learn more, sure, I would love that honor. If I get to like a Nakias Duncan level where he's part of the Pro Pro Basketball Writers Association, that'd be fantastic. If I can get to that point point in my life one day, I would be honored to vote on one of these awards. No fan should have an opinion on this. No it's not an opinion, sorry. No fan should have a say in this. Not at all. I don't want a single fan touching these ballots. These affect contracts. These affect how players get paid. And why Derrick Rose? It doesn't make any sense because you have the media choosing who are people that are trained to analyze these players and analyze these teams. So it and makes some sense. Of them, some of them aren't even very good at that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an issue for another day. Um, but you have these people who are trained to do this and you're like, no, we'll just get some rando um, off of Twitter or wherever you found them because I don't know where you found them. It's it's baffling. It is truly baffling. Like like how I am baffled about the Milwaukee Bucks. I am baffled in another way for this consensus fan vote that no one knew existed and somehow the consensus was Derrick Rose. Out of all the players in the NBA, they decided Derrick Rose was the most valuable or the best to his even no matter which way you look at MVP because there are two ways you have your best player and your most valuable player. Usually it's the same thing to be honest with you, but 
regardless. Even if you look at it from either one of those ways, it's not true. Derrick Rose was not the best player in the NBA this year by a mile. I wouldn't even put him in the top 30 best players of the, of the season this year. He was not the most valuable, even to his own team. You take Julius Randle off that team, that team's done. Like, they were already a playoff team, a fringe playoff team with Derrick Rose. He just got them a little higher. I just... Insanity is the only way I can describe this. Um, one other problem I have with fans, and this is going to be a quick one, quick little rant. Uh, they don't know how voting works. People don't know how voting works. It's They see that... Jokic beat Embiid by like 90% to 10% of the first place votes. Like, oh, he wasn't that much better than Embiid. That's not how it works. The writers don't sit down and they're like, okay, we think he's X percentage better than Joel Embiid. So we're going to give him this many votes and we're going to give Embiid this many. That's not how it works. The vo the writers vote on their own. And then that's just how it works out. They just believe more people believe that he was the MVP. Math. Math it's Edition. just it's wow. not that hard. It truly isn't that hard, but it's it, it that's what this is why I see things like this and that doesn't surprise me why fans don't like analytics and I don't understand because they don't understand how numbers work. They don't understand how percentages work. It doesn't make any sense to them. They're dumb. They shouldn't get a vote on MVP. Uh any parting thoughts on this 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 topic? Yeah, like every single person that I follow on Twitter that's in sports or, you know, and like a more advanced sports fan, I would say none of them had this fan vote. And if none of them have this vote, then no one else should, in my opinion. <laughs> no, absolutely Sorry. not. I, I really I'm really curious to know where this came from, because uh, I've never heard of it until this year. I, I mean, and like, it'd be so funny if they just took like if a media member did this. And then they're just like, oh, this is so bad that we're just going to label it as a consensus fan vote when it's really just one member of the media that's like the black sheep or whatever. I like I like that. Cons I like that conspiracy. I like that's That's a good conspiracy. They're trying to cover it up for the idiot. Hmm. Maybe someone actually did have it as their sixth man. They just they fucked it up so bad. They're like, oh, shit, we got to hide this somehow. We can't have them find out that basketball writers are dumb. <laughs> Not that, you know, there's the guy who voted for Andre Drummond for defensive player of the year last year. And then this year, tried to use the same logic of like, oh, he Drummond did these things last year, and Gobert did these things. So why did why did you all laugh at me last year? Yeah, because well, Andre Drummond's a much worse defender overall. Rebounds aren't the only fucking thing that matters on defense. Rebounds are one of the least important things to defense. If I'm being honest with you, team rebounding matters. Individual individual rebounding doesn't. That's a whole another topic for another day. But some media just. Media and fans, it's just, it's hard because we can't let the players vote on it. No, we can't. That's too political. Uh, but we just need to be better. Just like, let, let Karina and I decide. Let, yeah, let us decide. Exactly. Give us the power. If it's 1-1, one, one, we'll bring in another neutral fan. And that's it. We'll bring in like Zach Lowe or Nakias Duncan, whoever we decide. We'll bring in <laughs> someone, someone smarter than us to do it. Yeah. To, to break the tie. Not to make the decision. We'll make our decision. <laughs> but just to break the tie. And if they disagree with both of our choices, well, guess what? We're smarter than you anyway. This is the best idea you've ever had. Thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> I think this is the perfect time to, on a positive note for the both of us. This was fantastic. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much for listening. I'm. Thank you for sitting through my emotional Bucks rant. Um, you probably won't get another one like this next week because I've resigned to the fact that they're done. I'm definitely uh, clipping it. So uh... Please, please do. It's a long segment. Um, it's just... Ugh. Hopefully next week I won't have to deal with the Bucks anymore. Hopefully. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at ShootShotPod. Follow me on Twitter at OMG Bradshaw. Follow Karina on Twitter 
at Karina MM. She is she does everything all the time. Tennis, basketball, women's basketball. Uh, I'm sure she'll get into like auto racing and horse racing at some point. Who knows? She does everything. She's getting into soccer now too. She's cheering for Italy. Uh, yes, I've, I am. Go England. Uh, I've also hopped on the Belgian bandwagon because England disappoints me every year. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Hey, come on, two, shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot.